Hello and welcome to episode 8 of Jake and Benny's Backyard Football. Co-hosted by Jake Mullet, followed by my other fellow co-host, Benny Siosalas. On this podcast, we discuss everything NFL from the end zone to off the field. From your favorite players to upcoming stars, we're your source for high-quality football talk. Today we have plenty of topics to discuss, so sit back, relax, and stay tuned. So to kick this week off, we want to talk about the game of the week, which we both agree on, Seahawks versus Cardinals. That game was insane. It was perfect for Sunday night. I mean, honestly, probably game of the year so far. Yeah, honestly, it went both ways. I mean, Seahawks kept the lead for the majority of the time. Until, whole game. They had the lead yep, until the end. Whole game until eventual overtime and then, you know, the end of the game. Uh, what did the Seahawks do wrong? So there was a lot that happened in that game. Uh, Seahawks had a lot of good stuff, but a lot of the bad stuff really cost that game. So first of all, they had the lead the entire game. They were not down once until the very end. So here's where I want to start with the defense. Now the defense has proven to be a problem every single week for this team. Uh, the secondary is non-existent without Jamal Adams and having Trey Flowers in the game is just a mess. Uh, the pass rush is also non-existent. They can they had zero sacks on Kyler Murray, and they had Shaquem Griffin even as a QB spy the whole game. No sacks at all. No pressure. It was just an easy game for the Cardinals offensively. Especially for Kyler Murray. You know, yep. First half, he really took advantage of D-Hop. He balled out for the first half for sure. Mm-hmm. And especially like in overtime, when Vance Joseph brought in those blitzes yep. against the Seahawks offense, that really helped the Cardinals, you know, get back into the game and eventually win. So, um, something else that really affected the Seahawks game was Russell Wilson. I hate to say it, uh, huge Russell Wilson fan, but those three interceptions that he threw were completely, like, they were bad throws. Usually, like, uh, or not usually, but a lot of times you see a good quarterback throw an interception. It's either a good play by the corner or a bad play by the receiver. But, no, these three passes were really bad. I mean, he had the first one that was basically, like, giving it to Buda Baker. Um, he had the second one, which was just, I don't know what happened, but he threw it. He way overthrew Metcalf way, way, way too far. Mm-hmm. Easy interception right there. And the third one in overtime, it was like probably the most the important play of the game. And no, he just threw it right to him. Like there's just no communication. Uh, there. No communication. Russell Wilson really kind of, it's not all his fault, but a big part of it is his fault why he lost this game. And then, uh, another reason why he lost the game was David Moore. I'm not giving him enough Ooh. of the blame, but uh, you guys saw the play where uh, that was an easy touchdown. Metcalf just destroyed them. That would have won the game right there. Mm. Overtime, game over. Game winner. But uh, David Moore got holding, and it was such a bad hold. Like It was an unnecessary hold at that. Tyler Lockett got such a good block for Metcalf, and literally all like the most of the play was done by Tyler Lockett right there. All all Moore needed to do was just stand in front of the guy. Yeah, like, just get a chip block at yeah, the Yeah, like... Metcalf had that touchdown, but nope, David Moore held, went back, next play, interception. Now, I'm not giving the blame entirely on David Moore. I mean, I know it should. He it's should. a team effort. It's, it's a team effort, and uh, I know he probably feels bad for that game, but I'm not giving him all the blame just because there was mis- mistakes everywhere on the field. Uh, one more thing that I noticed, um, or two more things, sorry. Um, I'm not saying the refs were in this game because overall it was a pretty fair game ref-wise. Um, but one thing I did notice, it could go either way. It doesn't really matter, or it really matters like how you look at it. There was a play, I believe, in the third quarter. It was uh, third and ten, so it would have been a fourth down. And Kyler Murray passed to his tight end, but while he was throwing it, or like 
yeah, while he was throwing it, uh, Bobby Wagner, best linebacker in the league, he thought that it was going to be completed, so he went into the form of tackling. And uh, it was... just trying to make a play. He was trying to make the play. I mean, yeah, it would be different if, like, after... And anyway, so he hit him. uh, The tight end didn't get the ball. And boom, there's a personal foul. First down. Now, this could have gone either way because... um, The way I see it is he was making a play on the ball. Uh, That's where he thought it was going to be. He was going to prevent that first down. So I think that that was a bad call. But um, other people could say... uh, that he still hit him without the ball. Because, like, by the time that Bobby Wagner hit him, the ball was already, like, way far away. Way far off. Off to the complete opposite side, to be honest. Kyler really missed him on that throw. <laughs> yeah, but it was... This is where I defend Wagner, because the ball was obviously going to the tight end. That's where the, that's where the read was. And he was already going for the tackle as Murray threw it. He knew what was going to happen. In my mind, I think the tight end sold it a little because you see from one angle the side that you're talking about, but there is another camera angle mm-hmm. from like kind of a sideline perspective. Yeah. And it's the way the hit contorted the tight end's neck because mm-hmm. it looked like he kind of got like a whiplash effect on his neck. And I think that's really what kind of sold it to the ref. So yeah. I think there's a chance he could have sold it, but I think you're right on it going either way. I could see how it was a personal foul and I can see how it wasn't. And then uh, what happened in that drive later, they got the first down. They scored eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could have been a, a part of it. But overall, the Seahawks had a bad game. Uh, well, uh, a few more things. Uh, overtime, if you have two chances to score the ball then you deserve, and you don't make it, you deserve every bit of that loss. Because overtime, as we've talked about, is a weird thing in the NFL. They handle it in a weird way. Terrible. All they had to do was get one field goal in that second time. But no, they couldn't. I mean... Uh, something funny that happened during the game um, in that first uh, Cardinals miss kick in overtime, he uh, the coach kind of iced his own kicker. Yeah, which I thought was pretty funny. He did. But, ice um, own the Cardinals overall had a good game. One more player in particular I've been talking about for a while now, and he needs to go. Trey Flowers. Now, if you're a Seahawks fan or if you watch Seahawks football, you know that Trey Flowers is one of the worst cornerbacks in the league. Uh, Trey Flowers is a mess. I mean. For these past couple of weeks, whenever someone is hurt, it's been Dunbar for a while, and Trey Flowers has had to start. Uh, looking at Trey Flowers, he has a huge wingspan. He's tall. You should expect him to be like naturally gifted, but he's complete opposite. Like, there was one play in particular in overtime which I noticed, which is the real is when I noticed that Trey Flowers is his he should be done in Seattle. Um, for some reason, when uh, sorry, um, for some reason. During the play, where they only needed 18 yards to get into field goal range, so they would not do a huge long pass. Yeah, they're just trying to get into field yeah. goal range because overtime rules, that's all they needed. And Trey Flowers is guarding arguably the most important wide receiver in that game. DeAndre Hopkins. Instead of going on him and staying on him, no, Trey, Trey Flowers runs downfield, leaving Hopkins wide open, which set up a field goal. So it was just a team effort that really messed up that game. Uh, defense can be blamed a lot. Russell Wilson sadly can be blamed a lot. Now I know you kind of uh, grazed over it, but do you want to go more in detail about how the, what the Cardinals did right against the Seahawks? Let me give one good takeaway for the Seahawks real quick. The hustle that DK Metcalf oh, showed yeah. on that first uh, Buda Baker interception on the goal line that looked like a pick six. I think any other team, any other situation, you know, that's a pick six. But DK. He looked like a monster, like, hunting him down. Keep in mind, he was 10 yards away from Buda Baker when he made that interception. Yeah, and honestly, that just... 
I think the chemistry that Russell Wilson has with DK Metcalf really is the reason DK is doing good in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard a story that in practice, uh, at the start of the season, you know, DK wasn't too like hot on himself or whatever, yeah. but Russell kept getting into his head telling him, you know, you're a great receiver. Yep. You're one of the best on the team. You are uh-huh. the best on the team. Exactly. And I think that chemistry, that bond that they have between Russ and DK, I think that really helped both of them, essentially. It really, like, it goes down to this. DK Metcalf, knowing that his quarterback has that much faith in him, DK is going to want to uphold those standards, and he's going to make these huge plays. DK Metcalf topped at 22.6 miles per hour, I believe, Yeah. during that, which is just insane. Um, Watching that play, seeing Russell Wilson to that interception, I was like, that's a pick six. Like, mm-hmm. uh, And then all of a sudden, here comes DK Metcalf. I'm like, hold up. This might not be a pick six. And he got him down. It was first and goal. But the defense really also did their part. They made it. They had no score in that drive because mm-hmm. uh, they went for on fourth down, and the defense came up with a stop, which um, that momentum carried to the defense. Mm-hmm. The defense knew they had to make this play in order to make up for that awful throw by Wilson. DK really saved a touchdown for them. He really did, but didn't really matter in the end. But yeah. Unfortunately, he couldn't catch a touchdown. He, I think he only caught... I think he only had two receiving yards in that yep. game, unfortunately. He yeah. could have had that game winner in overtime, but as yep, we brought up but... David Moore, mm-hmm. it's pretty unfortunate. Now, I do also want to talk about Kyler Murray. Yeah. I think this game was really the game that decides if he's going to be good in the league or if he's not. Mm-hmm. And I think he is. Um, I, I, I agree. Uh, it was that one run in particular. Um, they were... It was first and goal, I think. It was just... It was... It was at the beginning. It was down towards the goal line. Oh, I think I know what play you're talking about. Kyler Murray runs runs it in for a touchdown. Yep. But honestly, with the way he was running and the way the play looked, it looked like it was way more than 10 yards. You know, Kyler Murray broke, like, I think one or two tackles and really dove for the goal line. And he crossed the plane and the Cardinals scored a touchdown. I think, you know, it was really ballsy for the Cardinals to draft Josh Rosen. Yeah. And then the next year go out and just completely flip the script and get Kyler Murray. Completely ballsy to do that because, you know, if Kyler Murray didn't pan out, the Cardinals would be the laughing stock of the NFL. Wasted two draft picks. Yeah, wasted two draft picks. But this shows that Kyler Murray was cl- the clear, like, fit for Arizona. He's doing great. So I want to go back to what you said about that play. Uh, something I really appreciate about that. So you look at some quarterbacks and they just want to run the ball. Like... That's their goal. They just want to run that ball, and they don't really look at the whole entire play. They don't wait for it to go. They're just like, okay, my my one guy's not open right there. I'm running the ball. So uh, this is what Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson have a very common thing in. We, I know you've talked, like, you've compared them in the past, and this just goes to show that's a good comparison because uh, you look at this play, and Kyler Murray waits. He looks at his first option, not there. Second option, not there. Third option, not there. And then he decides to run the ball. That's a really good quality for quarterbacks because if they just force that run, then they might just get stopped up right there when they had a wide open. They had a wide receiver number three wide open in the corner, mm-hmm. and uh, Russell Wilson does that too. And I just think that um, Kyler Murray is going to be the future of the NFL. I think so. I brought up a few episodes ago how Kyler Murray was going to be the next Russell Wilson. I'm, I'm still pretty adamant on that, um, and I really like Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson because. They're putting a new spin on the quarterback position, you yep. know, because the last hundred years of the NFL, you know, your quarterback is 6'4", 225, real strong arm, pocket presence quarterback. But no, 
both quarterbacks are under six foot yep and they're both really agile mobile and i think we're gonna see a lot more of this style of quarterback coming exactly. into the league I mean, you see it from uh, lamar jackson already and uh yeah lamar jackson and kyler Murray are two great examples of this i mean they're just showing that the future of the league is more being a running quarterback. Same with Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson. It's mm-hmm. These four quarterbacks are really going to change the way how the quarterback position is played. An honorable <laughs> mention for game of the week that we couldn't sleep on, Titans and Steelers. Now, going into that game, I thought the Titans were going to win. I wanted the Titans to win. Uh, I prefer the Titans over the Steelers. But it was a blowout for a lot of the game. The Titans could not play offense. Uh, the Steel Curtain was in full effect. But the Titans really came back, and I swore the Titans were going to win. I mean, I was watching the end of the game because I was on a trip, so I was watching just the end of it. But it showed, I was watching it, and I was like, okay, so the Titans are down by three points right now. Uh, Big Ben is the quarterback. It's Or Big Ben is the ball right now. It's over. No, Big Ben threw an interception. I was like, okay, wait. Maybe the Titans have a chance. I mean, they won last week off of a huge comeback against the, ti- against the Texans. Sorry. And uh, no, they they went down the field, uh, had a lot of good plays, but then Gotzkowski went on the field and missed a wide, a, like an easy field goal. Chip shot. Just, yeah, he missed it. It was bad. And Titans lost. I mean, losing a game because you're a kicker really sucks. Tough. Especially when you leave like a, a pretty good Tannehill and Henry led a great two-minute drill. I mean, they got to the ball, or sorry, they got to the field goal. Uh, line at about um, like th- I think 50 seconds maybe it was a great uh, effort by them but Gotzkowski missed yet another kick I mean going back to that Broncos game he missed so many kicks I think it honestly could have been a record I'm not sure he missed a lot for sure it was a good game great game but we decided the Seahawks and the Cardinals is a little bit better definitely took the cake but just because overtime and great performance of both quarterbacks wasn't really it was a close game almost the whole entire game uh, but that game was great. Uh, really rooting for the Titans in that game, but didn't really go how not a lot of stuff in football did, except my fantasy went off. Seahawks lost their undefeated record, but the Steelers hung on to theirs, and they're the only undefeated team in the NFL right now. So do you think this is uh, maybe a early speculation into a possible Super Bowl appearance again for the Steelers? I think so. You can't rule that out for sure. I mean, they're clearly by record, the best team in the league, so it would make sense. Yeah, you look at last season, the 49ers went 8-0 before losing to the Seahawks. Uh, They made the Super Bowl. Steelers are currently undefeated. If they make it to that 8-0, I could see them making the Super Bowl. I mean... It would make sense, yeah. I think that they are the best team in the NFC North, or sorry, AFC North now. I think that the Ravens, uh, they're still a great team, but I think the Steelers just have that edge over them. We'll see that on this Sunday. Uh, My early prediction for game of the week is Steelers and Ravens. That'll be a good game for sure, and that'll really decide who the powerhouse of the AFC North is. It's a really tough division, especially for the Browns. Um, exactly. But if the if the way things are going continues, I mean, it's possible for all three teams to make it into the playoffs, and that would be phenomenal if yeah. that could happen. But I, I do think that the Steelers are taking it. I think they're taking the division for sure. The Ravens are definitely second. I'm... Unfortunately, unfortunately, my Browns are the third, but I still think the Steelers and Ravens are going to be on my radar for game of the week. So going back to the Seahawks high-powered offense, we both agreed our offensive player of the week would be Tyler Lockett. 
he had probably the best game from a wide receiver I've seen since Julio Jones' 300-yard game. Yeah, that was insane. Um, I think my favorite play was that touchdown at the back of the end zone. You the wanna... toe drag? Yeah. What did you think about that one? So um, I've been saying this for a while now, but I think that Tyler Lockett is the best at toe drags touchdowns. I feel like every season he has a crazy one. I mean, last season was the one at the Rams, which went viral. That was insane. This one was just as insane. I mean, not even maybe even crazier because it was from the it was from behind. The thing is, it, with that catch against the Rams, he had a tiny bit of space to work with. Mm-hmm. With the one that he caught against the Cardinals, he had no room to no, work not with. Not at all. Like, the refs even called it like incomplete. Like mm-hmm. it was a great catch. But yeah, after looking back, you could see he barely gets his toes in there now. Going to stats, he had 15 receptions, which is a franchise record for the Seahawks now, and 200 yards and three touchdowns. Um, keep in mind, he also had over 50 fantasy points in, in fantasy football, so I know Tyler Lockett owners are super happy with him. Um, I know a few people who were kind of screwed over by Tyler Lockett's amazing game. It just shows that Lockett is a threat in the, on the Seahawks' offense. I mean, he's still a top receiver. He had another amazing game two weeks ago. I think he had, um, I'm not sure the exact numbers, but he had three touchdowns over 120 yards, I believe. And I'm not sure the receptions, but uh, he's just showing that he's honestly a maybe potential top 10 receiver in the league still. I mm-hmm. uh, hope he gets the recognition he deserves. And um, my uh, defensive player of the week was Jerry Hughes for the Bills. He had six tackles, two sacks, one interception, and one forced fumble. Yeah, he was a real important part on that Bills defense, in which was honestly a pretty close game, surprisingly, for <laughs> the Bills and the Jets. But we'll talk about that a little a little <laughs> bit, in a little bit. Uh, I want to go ahead and go into my defensive player. Uh, I have Miles Garrett. Now, Miles Garrett had two sacks, three tackles, and one forced fumble. Pretty, like, that's, like, pretty good for a defensive end. But I want to go ahead and talk about his season stats. He's leading with nine sacks, 22 tackles, five tackles for loss, and four forced fumbles. I think this is on pace for defensive player of the year. I could agree with that. I mean, it definitely shows that he's the best defensive player in the league right now. He's uh, honestly on track to have maybe a record-breaking season. Mm-hmm. And he's just looking really good out there. It's good to see him come back from something. I mean, I know he felt really guilty about that helmet hit that he had on uh, Mason Rudolph. And he was honestly contemplating about quitting football because of that, because he felt like he genuinely felt bad about it. So uh, he went to counseling for it. Yeah, it's good to see that he's got that under control and that he's having a great season. He's a great player, a phenomenal role model, and hopefully a lifelong Cleveland Brown. (laughs) So going back to Seattle yet again, to start off our news segment, uh, Dunlap was traded to Seahawks today, which is a huge move for Seattle, I mean. Going back to our discussion earlier, we talked about their pass rush, which is non-existent. So having a really good DN, I mean, he's a two-time pro bowler, that's really going to help them out. I'm pretty sure Carlos Dunlap is also pretty excited to get out of Cincinnati He's as been well. talking about it for a while now. He wants out, so hopefully he brings this new energy to that really bad uh, D-line. And I'm just hoping that it goes good for, for Seattle. I'm not sure... It hasn't really been uh, released what they've given up yet for him. I know it has been a draft pick and a player. I'm not sure who or what draft pick, but um, I feel like it's not too – he's not that expensive of a player, so I'm not too worried about the defense or the draft pick. I mean, Seattle has already given up so much draft with uh, Jamal Adams, so they're really seem seeming to, like, really wanting to go in on this season alone. I know Pete Carroll said that he's uh, – that the Seahawks are like shopping around a lot right now, 
So hopefully they fix that defense because it was an eye opener. What else do we have for news? Well, the Texans have closed their facility due to a uh, COVID test. Uh, Max Sharping, uh, I think it's the right guard, yeah. tested positive, and there was rumors flying around that the NFL was going to potentially find the Texans and even pull a draft pick from the Texans, but they decided not to, and they just closed their facility for now. And I think it's really good that the NFL is really cracking down and really, like, threatening to take away. I think it was even a second-round draft pick from the Texans. Because, yeah, you look at these teams, I mean, they're multi, multi-million dollar corporations. I mean, giving them a $100,000 fine isn't going to hurt them too much. Take away a draft pick, though, that they're really going to start paying attention then. Yeah. So, another news, uh, Everson Griffin was traded to the Lions. Now, he was just traded, I believe, from the—no, sorry, um— he was a free agent, and then he was picked up by the Cowboys. Uh, Cowboys, they need a lot right now. They need so whatever they can get. <laughs> they traded him to the Lions. Now, I was pretty upset that he's going to the Lions because it's the Lions. And Everson Griffin is a talented guy. He's, he's a beast, yeah. He has a lot of experience, and uh, I think he was almost leading sacks last year, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, he's a great defensive player. He's definitely top up there. In the now, right now, the Lions don't look too bad right now. I'm just being honest. I mean, it's the Lions, so they're not amazing. But compared to what we've seen before, they're not looking too bad. I think they might be either 3-3. Three and three. I think that's their record right now, maybe 2-4. and four. But they've shown a lot of good games. Matt Stafford is finally getting the recognition that he deserves because that game-winning touchdown throw yep, against the was, Falcons that was beautiful. See, and but um, something I find hilarious is only the Falcons could blow a game by scoring a touchdown. Because all they needed was Todd Gurley to get down before that, just waste some clock, kick a field goal. That's game. But you could see Todd Gurley trying to stop before the touchdown. But the Lions players just pushed him in. I just think it's he really funny. He celebrated his touchdown, too. <laughs> yeah, the Fal- only only the Falcons can mess up a game by scoring a touchdown. On accident. <laughs> and then something else we can note is AB to the Bucks a little bit. Old news kind of came out after our episode, but what do you think about that? Um, I'm, I'm scared for the NFC. Uh, now, Antonio Brown, if he has changed, if he's not going to remain a locker room cancer... This is huge for the Buccaneers. Uh, their wide receiver core, I was really anticipating a great core from them. Uh, they had Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, but it's kind of been disappointing, not going to lie. Chris Godwin's he's just been, injury Yeah, prone. he's been out multiple times this season. Uh, Mike Evans, I believe he was out. Yeah, I think he had one game missed or a few games missed, but he's been doing his thing. Yeah. So um, having Antonio Brown, this fast, deep threat, is going to be really bad for NFL defenses. Uh, hopefully that he's not a locker room cancer. I know that he loved playing with Brady over in New England, so hopefully this relationship moves over there with them. And I don't know. I Part of me thinks that Antonio Brown should be done because after he got took that hit from Perfect. He definitely has CTE, I mean. Something, yeah, something's wrong with him. There are so many symptoms of him having CTE. Sorry, CTE. You could compare him to Aaron Hernandez, which is kind of a really weird Really touchy subject. Yeah, touchy subject, whole thing was a mess, but um, I don't know. I hope the best for him, but I want to talk about some good news really quick. Going over to the football team now, they won their game over the weekend. They killed the Cowboys. We'll talk about that later. But uh, their offensive coach, or sorry, their head coach, um, over the offseason, I believe he was diagnosed with cancer, and he actually ma- went through the thing, and he's, like, recovering right now. So uh, over the weekend, I saw – or Monday, sorry. On Monday, I saw a video 
of uh, him ringing the bell saying that he's done with cancer. So that's really uh, good for him. Really good for him. I hope the best for this team, especially him in general. Uh, yeah, it was a it was a really scary thing for Ron Rivera because he had mm-hmm. just been uh, let go from the Panthers. So let's say he didn't beat cancer, that would have been a would have been a pretty bad situation for him. But yep got picked up by Washington and now he's cancer free so that's really good for him and something else I wanted to bring up too and we've all been kind of talking about the Jets tanking for Trevor Lawrence Trevor Lawrence obviously the number one overall pick to come out in this year's draft or is he Trevor Lawrence is now really debating on opting out of the 2021 draft if I was him, I would do the same thing. I totally would. I've been saying it. If And even then, if for some reason the Jets go after Trevor Lawrence again, I'm holding out. I'm saying I'm not going to play for you. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, uh, we have a whole, we'll talk about the Jets more later. But at we, you guys know our uh, feelings towards the Jets to this whole organization, and he would be wasting his time over there. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence is obviously a prodigy. He's had multiple meetings with Peyton Manning even. Yep. So if Peyton Manning sees potential in a kid, then he's obviously going to be a baller. So the Jets organization is anything but. So I think it would be in his best interest not to play for them. So I know you just talked about Peyton Manning, and I want to talk about his nephew, Archie Manning. He is uh, doing good. He's only a high schooler, and I'm not sure his exact stats, but... They showed his game on ESPN as a high schooler. I mean, usually they only show like the national championships for high school on TV. But they showed us a regular game of Archie Manning. And uh, I know that he already has, I've heard that he already has some D1 officer, offers already. Um, I'm not sure if he's a junior or a sophomore. I think he's a sophomore this year. So being a sophomore and having these D1 offers is just insane. Uh, just shows that football really runs in that family. It definitely runs in their family. Let's head over to Mile High. The Broncos may have the worst injury luck in the NFL this season, and the hits just keep on coming. On Monday, head coach Vic Fangio announced that Mike Purcell, defensive tackle, will miss the rest of the season with a Liz Frank injury to his foot. Oh, wow. Um, Man. Another man down for the Denver Broncos. I feel so bad for that organization right now. Uh, They lost so many good players already. I mean, Drew Locke came back. uh, Barely. He's not playing very well uh, right now, but the whole team is just really struggling with injuries right now. Hopefully next season is better. This was, and this was a team going into the season that we were like debating, like, you know, might do good. Might I had approach them as a wild card team. Yeah, honestly, they were like really out there. You know, they seemed pretty adamant on winning, but that injury bug just came in and hit them hard. Really hit them hard. Uh, going back to what you said about them being the worst, um, I think the 49ers might have them beat. I'm not entirely sure. Both th- teams are really struggling with injuries. I think this one kind of puts them over, but 49ers are definitely a close second. So um, another huge injury, uh, Odo Beckham Jr., he tore his ACL, I believe, on the first drive of the game. Yeah, it was um, <laughs> funny enough. Uh, we saw that one clip where OBJ defended a Baker Mayfield interception. This was actually the same thing. I think he was defending uh, Baker Mayfield's only interception. Yep. And... Yeah, he unfortunately tore his ACL, and I'm really wondering, um, non-biased, non-Browns biased, I'm wondering if this is the end of his career almost. Part of me agrees. Uh, I just think he's already been kind of on the decline from when he was in New York to now. He's like slowly been declining, and a lot of teams, 
or a lot of people don't really like OBJ that much. They see he's a drama queen, he's a diva, it's whatever. Um, but not a lot of athletes could come if they're already on the decline. Not a lot. Sorry, not a lot of athletes could come out of that a torn ACL even better than before. I hope he can. Um, OBJ still has promise in him, but I I think that teams are, are going to look at this as a horrible thing and they're not going to want him again. True. Um, after the, he's already had to prove himself again, you know, heading over to the Browns, he had that yep. one good game this season against the Cowboys. He had to prove himself then. He's got way bigger shoes to fill with this injury. Exactly. So um, another huge injury, uh, Shaquille Griffin. He has a concussion and a hamstring problem. Now going back to our discussion earlier, as before, uh, Trey Flowers is bad. <laughs> so um, not having Shaquille Griffin, that just guarantees that Trey Flowers is going to play again. Um, I think he's the Shaquille start, Griffin, yeah. yeah, he's a starter now. I think this Griffin injury goes more than just that. It's going to affect this whole team so much more. And yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't think it's going to cost a game for them, but it's definitely going to be really going to hurt that defense a lot. Yeah, not having their starting corners and not having Jamal Adams could have been, you know, the deciding factor in that Cardinals game. The fact that they still stayed relatively close in that game gives me better hope for them next week. Yeah. So uh, really quick on Jamal Adams. Um, he has been practicing, just very limited though. So having him against the Niners, hopefully, uh, so far, his two games that he played for Seattle were huge. He made amazing plays, and I'm just hoping that he can come back on that field and keep doing what he's been doing. Now, you said Shaquille Griffin was suffering from a concussion. Andy Dalton, after a ruthless hit, also suffering from a concussion. That might have been one of the hardest hits I've seen in the NFL. That definitely, that was a dirty hit. The man was knocked out. Yeah, he was knocked out completely. And just seeing the way he was laying there and the way he was breathing, I just felt so bad for him. And that was really not too long from Dak Prescott's injury too. So Two, three weeks, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cowboys have to move on to Ben DiNucci. And there's even talks about them bringing back the quarterback that they released last year, Cooper Rush. There's talking. There's talks about them re-signing him. He was Dak Prescott's recent backup. So uh, it just shows that anything can change. Because like as we said about the Broncos, they were a prospect for a wild card round. The Cowboys were a Super Bowl prospect prospect before going into this. Now it just shows that anything can happen in this NFL. Some other uh, injuries. Uh, Mike Purcell is out for the year. Uh, Chris Carson hit it, um, has a midfoot sprain, so he might be out for a few weeks. Uh, it's a day-to-day thing. That's what uh, the Seahawks injury team said, that they're not confirming whether he's going to play or not, but it's a day-to-day thing. They're going to see how it is. Landon Copeland is out for the year. He tore his pec, and uh, D.D. Westbrook tore his ACL as well. That is tough for the Jaguars for an already struggling year. Mm-hmm. And last year, we had this whole hype for Minshew Mania. And so far, he hasn't even been playing that good. <laughs> no, they, he's had one good game, I think. Yeah, and that's their only win. Yep. It's pretty unfortunate. Hopefully, the Jaguars can turn around because it was only just a couple of years ago that they were in the conference game with the Oh, Patriots. they were probably – they should have won – or the refs screwed them over so bad in that game. I they mean, really did. Like, the biggest two examples from that game, uh, the fumble. That's where I mark – like, oh. that's – uh, this they had an obvious fumble. Like, it was plain as day that it was a fumble, but they ruled like it would have been a touchdown too because the Jaguars defender was right there next to the ball and like nobody was near him. That was a touchdown. 
But as soon as he picked up the ball, refs called it dead, and they're like, oh, never mind, that was a fumble. That was a touchdown, right? That, that was a touchdown that, that they just prevented. And then uh, going back to that, a uh, huge another play that the refs totally just gave the Patriots. Um, the corner was at least two feet away from Julian Edelman. And Julian Edelman, or sorry, uh, Edelman completely just misses a great throw by Brady. And they called it a pass interference. There was not contact at all. There was nothing going on. There was one little bit of contact at the very beginning of the play, which wasn't in pass interference or anything. And that just really screwed the game over for them. That was definitely Saxonville's year. That's back when they were Saxonville. And yep. they just went on a – ever since that game, they just went on a complete rebuild. I remember they shipped out – right away they shipped out Allen Robinson, Allen Hearns. They had a lot of good talent. Um, Jalen Ramsey. Yep. Hopefully – Hopefully they can be good again because they were really on they were really on pace for literally beating the Patriots. Yep, that that should have been their Super Bowl that year. I would much rather see. I mean, I think that the Eagles and Patriots was one of the best Super Bowls I've ever seen. But I think the Jags would have had a legitimate chance against the Eagles that year. Not saying the Patriots didn't because the Patriots were in that to the very last play. But it could have been another great Super Bowl. It really could have. So to go into the weird stat this week, it's pretty crazy. So. Just to go over some stats, Kyler Murray had 360 passing yards and 67 rushing yards. And then Russell Wilson had 388 passing yards and 84 rushing yards. Now, this is the first game since 1948 in which both quarterbacks had at least 300 passing yards and at least 50 rushing yards. And um, I know we've talked about the Seahawks a lot this episode, but this just goes back to what we were saying earlier. Uh, Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray are very alike in their play style. They really are, and like I was bringing up, this could be a future model type for mm-hmm. quarterbacks. We might in the future see a little more short stature quarterbacks. We already we're already seeing some of that now with Jalen Hurts even over yeah. in Philadelphia. Hopefully, he can get his playing time with Carson Wentz. You know, not doing very well. But uh, yeah, just great performance by both quarterbacks. Uh, take away the interceptions from Russell Wilson, of course, but uh, it just shows that this formula is working. Because you look at other quarterbacks and they're getting blown out. Like, uh, if you're not able to throw the ball and run the ball, then, I mean, it's worked before in the past. If you look at Tom Brady, Eli Manning, Peyton Manning, they're never really mobile quarterbacks. But they have amazing success. But at this new NFL, with the kind of defense that we see now, it's almost required that you can run the ball and pass the ball. Those premier pass rushers, like... They're just getting like bigger and faster. Yeah. So they're going to shred through that offensive line. Yep. So as a quarterback, you know, you got to really understand how to handle pressure even outside of the pocket. Yeah. And uh, what was the final score? 34-37. That's a high scoring game. That was a great, phenomenal game. Like yeah. I said, probably game of the year so far. So uh, you have these two quarterbacks with similar play styles and they're putting up all these points. And that just shows this formula is work is working. It is the future of the NFL. I think that the time for uh, just uh, strong arms in the NFL, strong is, arm pocket passers, is just slowly like kind of just going away out. because yeah. you look at some of the best quarterbacks in the league, as we said, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. They can all run the ball. Even Aaron Rodgers drops his shoulders when he runs out yep. of the pocket. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers exactly. It's. It's becoming a necessity in the NFL. I know a lot of uh, older football fans aren't going to like that because quarterbacks get really hurt while running the ball. I mean, look at Dak Prescott. That's how he got hurt. But as long as they slide right, 
And I just think that this is, yeah, as, as I said many times, this is the future of the NFL. If they can groom themselves a little more to take a hit, then I think that would even, I think that would even protect them more. So a funny thing about that, uh, Joe Burrow, he does not know how to slide. He doesn't. And honestly, it's because he's never had to. Yeah, you look at LSU, he always just either takes, he usually just takes the hits. Yeah, you know. But the NFL is so much different from college in that aspect. You can get hurt a lot uh, easier in the NFL. People hit harder. And uh, so <laughs> there's fun, like there's a really funny video of them. Uh, the Bengals, I forgot where they were playing. But the ref like comes up to Joe Burrow and he says, uh, now... You need to just fall, like yeah. You need to work on your <laughs> yeah. Slide. You need to just work on your slide. It's like I'm trying, I'm trying. It's it's funny to see. Um, yeah, I think that quarterbacks they, they need to become more elusive and more uh, durable when getting hit. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the weird stat for the week. So a new segment that I want to do this week is trade rumors, since the deadline is rapidly approaching. So uh, a huge one. I'm gonna get the two big ones out of the way. Uh, Stephon Gilmore and JJ Watt, they might get traded. Not for each other necessarily, but they, there are trade rumors of those two. Now, where do you want to see Gilmore end up? Gilmore, honestly, he could go, he can go a lot of places. Yeah. I think any NFL defense could really use a solid corner like him. Mm-hmm. Um, not being biased at all, but like, could you imagine if he was on the other side of Denzel Ward over in Cleveland? That'd be pretty good. Yeah. That would be a crazy matchup and even if he went to Seattle, too, I think that'd be a really cool thing to see. Because um, as we talked about, Seattle has a really bad cornerback problem right now. They definitely do. But honestly, I could just see I could just see some even as, like, the Jaguars happening. Because mm-hmm. Lord knows they need people. So, um, uh, oops, what about sorry. you? So, I, I agree with all of those. I mean, he can really go anywhere. I'd love to see him in Seattle just based off of uh, the fact of, of uh, Trey Flowers and... Uh, Seeing him side to side Denzel Ward would be insane as well. Um, he could go anywhere and he could fit anywhere. It just the the problem about him is he is former Defensive Player of the Year. The Patriots are going to want a lot from him, and with with cap space in mind and all these different factors going to play with trading for a guy like this. And uh, I'm not sure if he will be traded, but Bill Belichick has said he's he's open to the idea. Uh, JJ Watt, that's a pretty big one considering that he's been a Texan for his whole career. Uh, I would love to see him in uh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh would be great. That's where I want to see him. I Other mean, side of TJ, that would be having great. Having TJ and JJ Watt, arguably some of the best defensive players in the league, would just be insane to see. I mean, I love when the families on the same team, like you go over to Seattle, Shaquem and Shaquille, they're just great for morale. Everybody loves them. And having... Uh, sorry, having TJ and JJ on the same team would be explosive. I mean, that would take the defense to a whole new level. And it's been proven before that, like, siblings could even work well on a team because you had Jason and Devin McCourty when they played for the Patriots. You know, they were great together. And if TJ and JJ could honestly be on, like, the opposite sides of the D-line, that would be insane. Imagine you're a quarterback. You're going against the Steelers. You already had to worry about TJ. Now you got to worry about JJ as well. Mm-hmm. That would be insane. That would be crazy. I mean, both of them are absolute beasts on the field, and uh, having them opposite sides would be crazy. So um, uh, the Jets have confirmed that Quinn and Williams will not be traded. Uh, I wasn't really expecting him to be traded. I've heard some rumors, but overall, uh, he's not that explosive of a player yet. Jets really need all the help they can get, too. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Tack McKinley, also available for trade. 
and uh, so is Xavier Howard. So that's it for the trade rumors this week. Uh, with the deadline approaching next week, a lot of moves are going to be made in, in a few days, I believe. Can't wait to see those moves. Um, what do you got for your hot take? So my hot take is uh, the Patriots are not good anymore. This is a two-part one. So for my first part, uh, going into the season, everyone's like has so much hype for this uh, for Cam Newton especially, and they win their first two games or. They won their first game, lost their second, then won their third game. Um, ever since then, they haven't won a game. They are 2-4 and four right now. Uh, it's crazy to think that this is Bill Belichick's first time losing three games in a row, I believe, since like the very beginning of the Tom Brady days. So that was a long time ago. This finally shows, I think this is finally getting a glimpse at the argument, was it Bill or was it Brady? And right now, the Bucks are succeeding with Brady. Mm -hmm. They looked a little rocky in the beginning. And then Bill Belichick looked pretty good in the beginning, but now he's a little rocky now. So yep. maybe it's... maybe Tom Brady was the bread and butter in New England. Maybe. I could agree with that. I mean, they lost to the Broncos, which we already talked about are not a good team right Struggling. now. Struggling. And they got blown out by the Niners. It just shows that they're not a good team. Now, the main reason why they got blown out is Cam Newton. That's my other part. Cam Newton is facing the end of his career if he does not get it together right now. I mean, uh, three interceptions and zero points. He had negative points as a quarterback in fantasy. I mean, it gets it's pretty hard to do that. He has shown that he is not really up for the job. I mean, he he understands that too. He's I, I in an after or a post game interview we said that if he doesn't get it together, this uh, benching thing might become a permanent thing, uh, which. Stidham, I can't see him starting over Cam Newton. Lord knows Brian Hoyer is not going <laughs> to see the field ever again either. But uh, they are two and four right now. Maybe Trevor Lawrence. I'm not saying this is pot. Like I'm not saying this might happen, but just a slight chance. Trevor Lawrence could end up on the Patriots. I mean, that's something that people were talking about two to three years ago happened. Yeah, just imagine they. They blow the rest of these games. They could lose to the Jets once, one and one, or they beat the Jets, or they haven't played the Jets yet, have they? Mm -mm. They could blow these games to the Jets, give the Jets two free wins. They're both two and 14 by the end of the season if the Jets don't win another game. And then boom, they have that upside. They have the number one draft pick because they lost to the Jets twice. It's completely possible, but Bill Belichick is not a loser. He will not let his team fold like that. And I'm pretty sure he wouldn't mind sacrificing one season to go get the get his guy Trevor Lawrence oh I, I think the opposite I think that Bill Belichick is a he's a fighter he's not gonna want to give up so early I mean it's only week six they could turn it around 12 and 4 not saying it's gonna happen because it's a very slim chance but the chance is still there the chance is still there I mean Bill Belichick has proven to never just want to give up he's always in it to the end which I respect about him but going back to what you said about Brady and Belichick debate uh it's starting to show I mean before this, I was always kind of a Brady's a system quarterback. He's great nonetheless, but I think he wouldn't have the success without Belichick. But look at them now. As you said, complete opposite records right now. Uh, Bucks are 4-2. and two, Patriots are 2-4, and four, which is just kind of crazy. So that's, that's all for me. What's your hot take for this week? My hot take is that Ryan Tannehill is slightly overrated. Now, he has phenomenal stats this season. Mm -hmm. He has 1,590 yards, 15 touchdowns to two interceptions. That's phenomenal. That's great. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I'm not completely sold on him. 
I saw understandable. I saw on Twitter somebody comparing his season stats to Patrick Mahomes' stats from last year. Yeah. And the thing I want to say, because they they are pretty similar from Pat Mahomes' last year stats to Ryan Tannehill's current stats. Now they are close, but defenses were scheming against Patrick Mahomes, especially. And when you're going against the Titans, your first thought is not, "Oh no, Ryan Tannehill is going to dismantle our defense." It's Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. Now we both know I'm not a big fan of Derrick Henry that <laughs> yeah. much, but. I'm not going to be blind or anything. I know Derrick Henry is a monster like mm-hmm. on the team. Like I know he's the face of their team right now. Yeah. And I think with all with defenses focusing more on Derrick Henry, that is why Ryan Tannehill is really succeeding. And I think without Derrick Henry, I don't think Ryan Tannehill would be as good. What do you think? Um, I want to agree with you, but also part of me disagrees with you. Uh, I just think that Tannehill is really playing really well right now. I know you didn't say that he's not playing well. You said he's playing great. But uh, I think he deserves a lot of that credit. Uh, sure, the defenses are focused on Derrick Henry, but they also still have to be ready for Tannehill. I mean, you can't win a game only defending one uh, type of offense. Unless if you're playing the Ravens. I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> uh, especially with like teams like this, I mean, they have good receivers. A.J. Brown is... a top 10 receiver in the league right now i know he's a monster he's doing so phenomenal. uh they still do have to worry about that passing game because it has proven to be lethal before i mean sure derrick henry as he said is the face of this franchise currently honestly best running back in the nfl right now leading the league in yards i believe touchdowns as well and so they are preparing for derrick henry a lot but i think they still are preparing for Tannehill. it just goes to show that uh i think that Tannehill is a great quarterback and I think that you have a good hot take this week, but I don't have to disagree with you. Awesome. And I think you had some more points on Ryan Tannehill in our next segment, talking about our top three quarterbacks. Let me hear your list. Break it down. Uh, exactly. So um, for this week's uh, bonus segment, we're going to do top three quarterbacks. So I'm going to go from three, two, one. So my third, as you said, Ryan Tannehill. Uh, I think that Tannehill is playing great right now. I think he's the best or the second best quarterback in the AFC third best quarterback in the league and he's playing really good football uh and honestly he is in the race for mvp right now i don't think he has as good a shot to win as my other two candidates but he's playing really good football right now so my my second candidate or my second choice for top three quarterbacks is patrick mahomes uh this people are gonna say he's number one but i say he's number two because patrick mahomes has had some off games this season i believe uh, against the Broncos, he didn't have a. I think he had one passing touchdown, and, and the team scored a lot, like thirty-seven points, I think. So one passing touchdown isn't that impressive in a win like that. Uh, sure, he led like he's an amazing quarterback, but he also had a off against the Bills. Like Patrick Mahomes is an amazing quarterback. I think that he is definitely arguable for the best quarterback in the league. But those two games really put me in consideration at putting him as number two. Uh, regardless, Patrick Mahomes, um, super, former Super Bowl MVP, Super Bowl champion, highest paid quarterback in the league. He deserves every bit of that. He's an amazing quarterback, but not better than my number one. My number one, uh, totally unbiased here, I promise, is Russell, Shocker. <laughs> is Russell Wilson. Now, I promise you guys, I'm not just saying that as a Seahawks fan. I believe that Russell Wilson is the best quarterback in the league right now. Um, so far, out of six games... He's had one bad game. I mean, 
that one bad game was really bad, or not really bad. The interceptions were bad, but his other stats really looked amazing. So far on the season, Russell Wilson has 1,890 passing yards, almost 2,000, which is insane, only in six games. He has 22 passing touchdowns, which, keep in mind, he's on record to beat Peyton Manning's record by a lot. I think he's uh, predicted to get around 60 touchdowns if he keeps playing the way he's playing. Uh, six interceptions, which is a little bit bad compared to his usual seven a season or eight. But uh, besides that, he has a 119 passer rating, which I believe is the highest in the NFL. And he just looks great out there. Uh, he knows when to run it. He knows when to throw it or sometime or most of the time he knows when to throw it. Uh, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are really helping him out. I don't think he has it in the bag. Like right now, I think he still has it in the bag. But if he has another three interception game, that puts him maybe second or third place on my list. That was a great list, and I agree with most of it. But I'm going to go ahead and go right into my number third. My number three, Aaron Rodgers. He's been playing phenomenal this season. Yeah. He's been doing great. He had that one pretty bad game, you know, the pelvic thrust game. <laughs> um, that was his only bad game, to be honest. Um, yeah. He went into this season kind of underrated. I think he was an underdog completely yeah. this season. Yeah, he was completely swept under the rug. Like, I don't think anybody was expecting him to come back and, you know, do good. But he's actually been balling out. He's been doing yeah. great for the Packers. Now, your argument for Patrick Mahomes being number two is, you know, that uh, couple off games that he had. Mm-hmm. That's my same That's my same thought for Russell Wilson. Okay. I have your number one and number two swapped. I have Russell Wilson at my number two just off of this game. Off of this game alone? I can, I yeah. can see that as a... Three interceptions, one game is not MVP performance. It's not, and that's not discrediting what he's done um, this season so far. Yeah. Like you said, you know, he's on pace to beat Peyton Manning's single-season touchdown record. But that one game, whew, he did not He did not look good. I think that's really it. I think it was he either had too much confidence in his receivers or he really downplayed the Cardinals' defense. So um, one thing about Russell Wilson that I wanted to say I watched the post-game interview because after a game like that, it's kind of hard not to see what he thought about his performance. And uh, the thing I like about Russell Wilson is he takes accountability. He said that he lost that game for his team, which I don't agree with. I think there's a lot of different factors, but he was a, a huge factor. He was a huge that. factor nonetheless. But um, he understands his mistakes. He understands that uh, he's a big part of that loss. And he was talking about the interceptions. Uh, to the first one, they practiced that play every single day in practice. And he said that he just didn't see Buda Baker right there. Um, horrible excuse because it was pretty obvious where he was. I mean, I know we're not down there uh, seeing from his eyes, but it was just a risky throw. The second interception was, I don't know what happened, miscommunication. Third one was just a horrible throw by him. So I agree all three of those was his fault. Uh, number one, I really don't need to touch on that much. Patrick Mahomes, obviously. Top quarterback in the league, probably one of the best right now. Yeah. Being contested with Russell Wilson, like we said. Uh he completely turned the Chiefs around completely. Oh, uh, definitely. Ever since he's been taking the snaps for them, you know. Before then, um, when they had Alex Smith as their quarterback, they were pushing, you know, wild card here and there. Nine and seven usually. You know, they were they were kind of like a whatever team, you know? Mm-hmm. But with Patrick Mahomes taking the helm, oh my goodness, this team is amazing and it's, I know it's not all just Patrick Mahomes. Andy Reid is a phenomenal coach. He's got great receivers like Tyree Kill, for example. He's got this new great young running back. Yep, Carlos Edward Alaire. And they just added Le'Veon Bell. And 
it's definitely not all just Patrick Mahomes bringing that success, but it's he's still a big factor in that success. Yeah, he's I worth totally every agree. he's worth every penny of his contract. Yeah, I think that uh, I was talking to my friend Kobe about this a few weeks ago. He's a huge Chiefs fan. Uh, Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes is a really hard debate to have because they're both at such a high level of football right now where you put them in each other's situations, you swap situations, it'll be very identical. And because like usually you could say, oh man, this quarterback wouldn't do as good in Seattle because there's no O-line over there. But Patrick Mahomes is a type of quarterback who can do good with a bad O-line. I mean, he has a decent O-line right now, but I know that if you put Patrick Mahomes over in a place of the weak O-line, he'll still succeed. He's just that amazing of a quarterback. And I think, yeah, they're both very equal players right now. It's really hard to distinguish one and two. So I don't know. I think that... I think it's a fair argument. It's a fair argument. You can make arguments for either quarterback. I mean, I can understand why Patrick Mahomes might be the best, and I'm pretty sure you can understand why Russell Wilson might be the best. It's it's a really hard debate to have. There's a lot of different uh, points on why who's better than who. But overall, it just comes down to the end of the season who will have a Super Bowl. Yep, it comes down to personal preference and that. Yep. So it's not a hard debate. Jimmy G is not looking so great. I mean, I know that they had the big win over the Patriots on Sunday. But overall, this season has been very bad for the for Jimmy G. I mean, he's he got blown out by the Dolphins. He got pulled out for a backup against the Dolphins, the Miami Dolphins. A backup that he actually came in to replace. C.J. Beathard was actually leading the 49ers before Jimmy G did. Yep. Um, I know he's been injured. I know he was injured a lot. Or I know he got a pretty bad injury for those few weeks. But he just looks bad out there. Uh... And I know we say this every single week. I feel like I feel like we said this for the last three weeks, but Jimmy G is not a clutch quarterback. Um, we always bring up the Super Bowl. Uh, I don't know. I'm not trying to slander Jimmy G here. Uh, I think he's done some good things over in San Francisco. He has for sure. He's definitely starter quality over there. But, but with the mentorship that he's had with Tom Brady, the Tom Brady, it's like he should – no, he should be more clutch. He should be able to know when to make these smart passes. You know, you've held the clipboard for Tom Brady for so long, you think he'd know a few things yeah. or two. Um, I'm not sure what the solution is over there. Uh, I don't think that it's bad enough to where they need to get a new quarterback yet. If Jimmy G cannot step up and make these clutch moments, I believe that he's not the franchise quarterback they need in him. He definitely has... He has to prove a lot more if he wants to be the starter for the next few years you're right i don't think they need a quarterback now but if he keeps playing like this um i wouldn't be surprised yeah if they do either. go out for one so um something else i want to talk about is uh kind of another quarterback situation the dallas cowboys now they're down to their third chin quarterback what's his name ben dinucci ben dinucci uh never heard of the man before um but he's not good uh, he's a third stringer i mean it wouldn't make sense for him to be a really good quarterback but they lost to the football team. Imagine getting blown out by a team named after the sport you play. The Washington football team destroyed the Cowboys. I think the final score was like 25 to 3. Three. Yeah, they only made 3. It's just sad. I mean, the football team does not have a good defense besides Chase Young. Their offense is pretty bad too. But I guess that the between the Cowboys' new quarterback situation and their horrible defense, it was just that easy for the football team to just go there and just destroy them. Uh, 
This raises a lot of concerns, and as we said earlier, they were a Super Bowl prospect before the season started. Now they're looking at not even winning the worst division in football. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this? Honestly, I just feel really bad for the Cowboys. <laughs> like, you know, they don't really have one of the best fan bases. It takes a lot for me to pity the Cowboys, and it, I'm at that point. Yeah, it definitely takes a lot for me to pity the Cowboys. I'm not, not really too big of a fan of them, let alone their fans. But as a Browns fan... I know what it's like to be a fan of a mediocre team and a poor playing team. And to see another fan base go through that, I mean, part of, it makes me feel good because, you know, I'm not in that situation. But at the same time, I know what that pain is like. And I do pity the fans for that. But I also want to bring up that the Cowboys fans are finally taking in, taking in that they're not America's team. They're not going to the Super Bowl every year. It's not their year every year. You know what I mean? They haven't been in the Super Bowl in 20 years. They haven't been. I don't understand. I mean, there's having faith in your team, and there's just being blind to the reality. Uh, yeah, they haven't been a Super Bowl team since, uh, was it 23rd? No, 2015, I believe. I when they went, yeah, yeah. Uh, they had an amazing record, I think 13-3. and three. Uh, Dak looked amazing out there, but they lost the first round. Or, yeah, they lost the division round, and... Uh, I don't know. Uh, they haven't really been that good since. They've been average. They have a lot of eight and eight records recently. Uh, I'm yeah. I'm honestly at a loss for words for the Cowboys. I feel bad for them. And uh, anything else you want to say about the Cowboys? Not really. But if I had a choice to either take the Cowboys or the Jets, I'm taking the Cowboys for sure so, by a mile. We do a lot of Jets slander on the show. You all all of our listeners know that. Might as well make it appropriate. Just to have a weekly. Just a weekly Jets slander thing until they turn stuff around. Now, I actually want to say something good about the Jets this week. They was it in Buffalo or New? I wasn't sure where the game was, but they played a not awful game of football. I mean, it was close. For final score was eighteen to ten, which I think is the lowest the Jets have held a team this whole entire season. Uh, that honestly might be a high scoring game for the Jets. I don't know. Um, their defense kind of showed up that game against Josh Allen. I mean, Josh Allen is great, especially against these bad teams. But he didn't throw a single touchdown pass. No, nope. he did have 307 passing yards, but the defense shut them down. Like, not really, but they shut them down in the red zone where it matters the most. Uh, the offense, I didn't really watch the game. Uh, I couldn't watch it. Uh, I'm sure it wasn't a great offensive game because, again, 10 points, not great. Uh, I think Darnold was back, though. I think he did play a couple snaps. I'll have to watch some of that. So, uh, just goes to show that maybe the Jets aren't as bad as we've been saying they are. I mean, I still believe they're pretty bad. I think uh, I think they're even possible for 0-16, to be honest. I, I think 0-16 is a reality. I, I mean, think every, bad. Every, every good team is a bad game. It's probably just a Jets bad game. Uh, Adam Gase still needs to get fired. Still, I have no faith in that man. I think the Jets should just lose all faith in that man as well. Um, <laughs> Another week with Adam Gase. Yep. Uh, so that's basically it for my jet slander. Unless we have any jet slander that was not discussed. Honestly, jet slander is like beating a dead bush. <laughs> um, there's nothing much to be said other than Adam Gase needs to go. They need to bring in before they even think about bringing in Trevor Lawrence or any players. They need to get bring in new staff for yep. sure. Something's going on there, and I think they need to start with staff. So uh, I just one more little thing I want to talk about. Uh, <laughs> I think it probably is the funniest play of the week. 
Daniel Jones. Oh, my um, God. They played the Eagles on Thursday night. Uh, they blew a lead. I think they had a 10-point lead with four minutes left. They almost had a 100% chance to win the game, but they blew it. Uh, so, Daniel Jones. This man <laughs> had wide open field. Keep in mind, so far in the season, he's had the highest speed out of anybody. Even Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson so far topped out at 20 miles per hour. 21 miles per hour, and Daniel Jones got 21.6. Yep, which is just crazy. Now, that sounds like, I don't know why that's funny, but for those of you who watch the game, you know what I'm talking about. Daniel Jones ran 80 yards. He There wasn't a person t- even 10 feet away from him. It was he could have skipped into the end zone. Perfect uh, example of social distancing. But um, he, he he tripped. I mean, there's a stumbled. lot of... Yeah, a lot, it was, he stumbled. I mean, I can't... I, I probably wouldn't even be able to run that far. In that, <laughs> I, like, I, I think it was just because of how fast he was running. I yeah. just don't think he was able to keep up with it. And he stumbled and fell. And it was, it was honestly, you could use that as a metaphor of the entire NFC East's yep. whole performance. You know, the the Eagles are now leading the NFC East 2-4-1. Love to see it. So uh, I just wanted to read some uh, funny tweets about that because uh, there, was, there was some pretty good ones. Bill Barnwell said, uh, don't laugh. The ghost who just tackled Daniel Jones would be the best safety on the Cowboys, which sounds pretty good. Um, he knows this might have been the same ghost as Sam Darnold's <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Patrick Mahomes had a pretty funny tweet. He said, uh, no hate, or he said something about Daniel Jones and said, I wouldn't be able to run that far. I can't find the tweet, but it was pretty good. Overall, it was a funny thing to watch for sure. Definitely. Definitely made me laugh. I'm pretty sure Daniel Jones. I'm pretty sure he got a good kick out of it, to be honest. Uh, you could look at the sideline, and his teammates were like dead laughing at the fact that that just happened. Uh, just something to redeem himself. They did score on that drive, thankfully, but they still blew the game at the end. Uh, I could, didn't expect. I honestly wasn't surprised. It was the Giants against the Eagles. Uh, Carson Wentz played pretty good, though. So, so with all of that, that's the end of episode eight of Jake and Benny's Backyard Football. We talked about a lot of stuff this week. We talked about quarterbacks, game of the week, player of the week. We talked about almost everything that happened. And that's a usual thing. You know, come back next week and we're here to do it all over again. Go ahead and follow all of our socials, by the way. Our Twitter is Jake and Benny FB. Our Instagram is Backyard Football Podcast. And you can find us on Facebook as Jake and Benny's Backyard Football Podcast. Thank you for tuning in with us and have a great week, everybody. We will see you next week. Bye.